0: The wait is over. The Walking Dead is back. Don't miss the extended 10th season featuring 6 new episodes, each focused on different favorite characters. Get ready for high-stakes showdowns, emotional reckonings, and more info about your favorite Walking Dead survivors. Start watching the latest season today and catch new episodes of Season 10 early with AMC+. Plus. From season binges and exclusive content to early access to new episodes, the best Walking Dead experience is only on AMC+. Plus. Get lost in the Walking Dead universe today, available ad-free and on demand. Sign up at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff.
1: Hey guys, it's Mark Roberts here with another edition of Let's Get Into Entertainment. Today we have a very special guest, Peter Marietta, writer, executive producer, showrunner, creator. The boy has done it all. He's an incredible talent he's been part of some remarkable shows you may have heard of them wizards of waverly place george lopez he's currently executive producer and writing on mystery glaciers which you can find on netflix in its second season he's got a few other things in the works but what we're going to talk about is how you can create shows and write from authenticity from who you are and make it work for you also where did peter come from how did he get his start What made him think he could be a writer? How did he hone those skills? We're going to talk about all of that and more when we come back on Let's Get Into Entertainment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Get Into Entertainment. This is the business of entertainment, Tootie. I Robert's always have I'm to explain it to you. I'm
0: very proud of you right now. You want to know why? Why? Because you got it right. I got it you, right. You got it right. You only took a couple tries.
1: This is a uh, very special morning. We're doing yes. the show in the morning, so there will be no Modelo foo on this show. Why? I mean, really? No, nah, I don't. Th- yeah, there's not going to be any drinking. I
0: mean, it's um, almost
1: 10. And I got David Dave on the ones and twos. Thank you, bro. Thank, Thank you, you, guys. I appreciate Good that. morning. Um, and I'm going to just go straight into Peter because I, you know we got a lot to Please, talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Peter Marietta. Yeah. peter
0: hey Imagine. good to be
2: here good to be here good to be here
0: we talk about you on every show pete that's, true. that's crazy we that's do from so the nice beginning we're for at least a about year. You. yeah appreciate it
2: i want to tell you the reason i came all right because you had tony alva on here. <laughs> really <laughs> i mean i've been putting you off for weeks
0: <laughs> that's true wait a minute <laughs> he,
2: he that was the first skateboard i ever had is that, that
0: true Alva Pro. Oh,
1: you should have brought it we could have walked over and him sign it i know anyway
0: yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. Alva was cool. Okay, man. He um, said he wants to bring Christian and They're buddies. Shh. You, you down to come back. We'll I'm do, a, we'll, back. We'll do like a bigger, we'll do a bigger thing. I am down to come back. You are? Okay. Uh, yeah. But every show, man, your name comes up. Well, well, sweet, big inspiration. Bam.
2: Thank you, man. That's appreciated. It's yeah. appreciated. It's you why know, I do it. It's funny because
1: we had Mario on the show and Mario went back through his history I watched him go through the phase where he would go into interviews after saved by the bell and people would be like, uh, Slater's in here, you know, and, and that would become a negative for him, but he never considered it a negative. He was very grateful for the show, very grateful for his fame. And then he said, you know, really things didn't start happening for me until after dancing with the stars. And you start to think about that and you're thinking, wait a minute. So this guy's been in the public eye, uh, a celebrity, to the level where you can't have dinner without getting someone interrupting you. And I, you know, you just always thought he was rich. You always thought that he had everything. And bottom line is he was working. He just wasn't at the level that he now is. And I think there's a misconception that we all start, or I'm not going to include myself, but people like you, you start at the top, right? Like there's no building. And I was reading about you and what I didn't know. And I, Aliza may have helped me out a little bit here, but that you started to write in college. Yeah,
2: I did. I did. Um, So how did,
1: how did you get, how did the idea of becoming a writer get into your head? Well, I
2: never knew that was something you could do when I was a kid. I mean, my dad, every weekend or after school, we would be, you know, doing work and work and, you know, get the wheelbarrow out. He used to, he used to make me, um, and I think it was punishment. But we um we live behind this wash, this uh dry riverbed, and uh he would tell me, like, hey, after school, uh, go get the wheelbarrow and go get four rocks. You know, we're we're landscaping the back, go get four rocks. And like I go out and get rocks in the Tucson sun and think thing like, why can't I just go hang out? Uh and so that was the kind of life I had, you know. And um it was uh, your dad funny? Uh <laughs> no. No, my uncle Dave was funny. My, my dad was not funny. And he'll tell you that too. He'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, my uncle Dave was hilarious and my mom was funny, but my dad was a good storyteller. So that was a family I had. And, um, you know, we went to, um, we went to school like everybody. And I went to U of A cause it was local, it was miles away, cost 750 bucks a semester. Wow. it's um, a good deal. In state, in state, man. Uh, back then. No, 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 no. We, My father and I had an agreement um, that was with raised voices that I would leave uh, quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only a writer could say it like that, right. by the way. With raised voices. I know, I thought,
0: thought is that a movie?
2: We agreed after an argument that it would be better if I wasn't there. So right. I, left, I left, but we were always good storytellers. And I had this um, professor, Donna Swaim. Still remember her. She's still alive. Um, we're Facebook friends. She's retired now. Um, she was a professor of humanities and there was humanities two hundred and fifty C it was, um, covering art. And, uh, I wrote this paper, uh, about existentialism. And, uh, uh, I got the, uh, the see me. I didn't get a grade when I can't hand it back to me. See me in my office hours.
1: <laughs> oh, never worked out for me. Right. No. I've been there.
2: I've yeah. been there. I'm like, Oh, I know it. I know what's going on. So I go see her and she says, um, this may be the funniest paper on existentialism I've ever read. And I'm just like, cool. (laughs) So like (laughs) a, (laughs) you said funniest, right? And she's like, well, you don't have any, you didn't cite any of your references. There's no bibliography. Like, I don't even know how to grade this. And I was like, all right, B, B's good. (laughs) And she, she said, there's this group on campus that does comedy shows every Friday at noon student union, big audience, 300 people. And they're always looking for people to write. And she knew some of the students were in some of her other classes. And she said, you should talk to them. And so I went and talked to them and um, started writing sketches for them. And, uh, uh, and then I got up on stage cause somebody got sick and I was the only one that knew the part cause it was my sketch. And, uh, and I didn't suck. I wasn't stellar, but I didn't suck. And so I kind of did that. I don't know, three years and in college. Yeah. 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 So just to,
1: Dissect that for a second. So your your professor says, You're pretty funny. Mm-hmm. You got you got a gift here. Uh-huh. Says recommends this this um this group. H- how did were you nervous about meeting up or in college? I, I think in college you're just always like, whatever, let's I was try something down.
2: out. I I, I was kind of down for it. I was meeting new people and kind of into new experiences, and I wasn't that nervous. Um and uh, and it was cool. People he, laughed at my stuff.
1: You obviously, th- there There must have been some level of like, you knew you were pretty funny to, to go do that. I used that. to make people laugh. People yeah. in high school okay. would say
2: I made them laugh. Yeah, uh, I was uh, getting in trouble for it and stuff like that, like yeah. everybody you've heard. But, um, you know, I used to, um, my friend Dale was the class president and I used to write like little jokes for him and speeches and, you know, stuff like that. So it was
1: part, it was part of your life. You know, it's funny, I was just, um, I come from a, Mexican
2: immigrant family. Me too. That's my dad. My dad's from Sonora.
1: Yeah. I have four brothers, one sister. They were all born in Mexico. I was the only one born here, but I was thinking back, you know, at about my brothers and, and about growing up with them and how much comedy and how much storytelling there was in my house. Yeah. And I started to think, which I had never thought before, looking at a picture of us all playing golf, a bunch of Mexicans. Of course, we were all wearing jeans, right? The, Mexi- the Mexican sure. outfit. That's but the Mexican <laughs> swimsuit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the Mexican swimsuit,
2: boys. But, uh, I jeans. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: I was looking at the picture thinking yeah. a lot of the levity in my life, a lot of the reason I wanna laugh so much is because of how much my mom and my brothers made me laugh. And they love to laugh, they love to make fun of stuff, make fun of you. You know
2: why? it's free, man. Yeah, it <laughs> was free. Growing up, you make people laugh. That's free. Yeah, yeah. It was free. Respect is free. There's things that are important to us that you look back on. And I just always think about like, they were free. Like, you know, that's why even in this business, you know, like this week has been ups and downs for me mostly ups, but you know, dealing with business and then someone does something and you're on the phone with your agents and lawyers and, and you're saying things like, well, they didn't respect me, man. That's the biggest problem. And you realize not everybody kind of grows up with that currency that right. that's important to them. And I think that when you're uh, not wealthy, um, the free stuff matters. Respect me. That's cool. We're good. Right. You know, right. uh, make each other laugh. That's cool. You know, and so I, I think that's an important part of it. Yeah. And for Mexicans, everything's a bit
0: yeah. You know, most of it is. Fit. Most yeah. of it is.
2: And by the way, the way we give each other nicknames is terrifying to uh the PC world. <laughs> yeah. And uh and well, I'm not even gonna get into it, but like it's hilarious when you talk about like, you know, we're not gonna do this, we're not gonna we're not gonna fat shame, and you're like, Oh, well then I guess I can't call him Flacco then, <laughs> yeah. uh I guess. And they're right. like, What's that mean? Yeah. Well it actually skinny. means skinny, yeah. but that's because he's fat, but uh, never mind.
0: <laughs> or gordo cause he's skinny. Say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't So
2: you know. I think that's a big deal. I also think, um, and, and this isn't a tradition like that I grew up with where someone said, this is a tradition. It just was kind of what we did, but I'm curious in the room here, like how many of us after meals stayed at the table and like hung out when we were kids, there was always this feeling of like, I don't know, forever, but like a 30 minutes, a lot yeah. people yeah. talking, telling you about their day. And, you know, and then I grew up and, you know, I study things and I read things and I find out that's a very strong and I'm sure it's other cultures too, but it's mentioned a lot as a Latin tradition where the, the usually the patriarch, cause it's a patriarchy, but you know, kind of runs the table and dinner and, and you're like, Oh yeah, I kind of remember that. I kind of remember that. And that's where some of those stories come out.
1: Yeah. I mean, what's really, what's interesting you say that I'm starting to think back, you know, when I would go to my tia's house and I'd go hang out with them. The thing was, is that there wasn't a lot of places to be in the house. So oh, when you did true. get together yeah, in the kitchen, right. it was like everyone gathered in the kitchen or in the dining room. And that's where you would be. Everyone had a seat. It, yeah. Until it was time to go.
0: Whatever. Yeah, yeah. To go
1: do whatever yeah. you were going to do. So we just were there and there was food all the time, rice, beans and the, and the sweet or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally.
0: And you had to eat everything on your plate. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, yeah I
2: remember you, sitting, uh, I hated, still do. Hated. Lasagna. And my mom, I don't know if it's passive aggressiveness. I know she's trying to like break me of it. I remember, <laughs> I remember her saying like, it's the same thing in spaghetti and meatballs. And I'm like, nah, I'm sorry. no." Nope, oh, my nope. son's
1: that way too. And
2: I hated, it, hated. it. I remember her making it and I, I don't know, we'd have to, you know, we'd have to ask her, but like, I felt like I, she would make it like two days after I pissed her off or something. Yeah. And I remember sitting at the table with it cold and being told like, well, no, you're not getting up <laughs> till it's over. And I'm like, oh man. You know, Gotta eat gagging it. <laughs> it down with like getting another glass of water and like, Ugh. and then they would get mad at me. Cause they also teach you to be polite. Yeah. So you go to somebody else's house for, for dinner Gotta eat. and whatever they serve, right. <laughs> you eat. Uh-huh. And so I remember distinctly, like I can't remember the family, but they had lasagna and, and I ate it all. And then, I got yelled at of the car on the way home because they were like, so you'll eat their lasagna. And I'm like, you told
1: me to be polite. You can't win. What is going on here? You can't win. Yeah. Go after you, man. But it's uh, yeah, it's funny. A lot of, a lot of situational comedy, a lot of, you know, a lot of bits come out of, you know, my mom making fun of something or or mm-hmm. other stuff. We were. I was. Um. I bought ghost peppers the other day. I didn't actually. My wife bought ghost peppers. I
2: think I saw that on the
1: yeah social. I, and it's funny. My 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 son was like, I was telling him about ghost peppers, and then we were talking about going to uh, restaurants where you order salsa, and if you're Mexican, you always go to the waiter and go like, hey, "Can you bring me the the real the hot salsa from the back?" It's like some yeah. like. Special know, one. Yeah, it's a special salsa, right, yeah. for mm-hmm. Latinos. Yeah. And they bring it to they you. Make but, it for, they make
0: it for themselves. Yeah, they I, make it for themselves. And, sure, and yeah. you're
1: like, hey, can you bring me the one you make in the back? Yeah, yeah, I'll bring you some of that. And they all, they always have, like, that special hot salsa. And uh, and it was funny because my son was like, why is everything a bit? Like, why is it? Because because peppers are universal uh, themes you know, right? So you all, everyone has the white buddy who says, I, no, I can handle
2: the heat. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I remember I went to have lunch with Gabe uh, not too long ago. And we went to one of his favorite restaurants and, uh, they did the same thing. Like he was ordering, you know, and, uh, and he was like, bring out that and bring out this. And it was super good, man. And it was all right. And it was all the special stuff from the back. And, uh, you know, and then you go out, I guess I went out a week later to, you know, our place over by us that we go to all the time. And, you're like, it's not as good. And, and I would bet you that the place I went to with Gabe is not as good. Yeah. But the kitchen's like, Gabe's here. Right, bring better, better do it right. Hook, em up. Right, bring bring up
1: hook up him up. Bring out the good stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, you, you grew up in Tucson. Um, you're, you're, you're part Mexican. Are you part half. Mexican? You're half Mexican on, on whose side? My dad. On your dad's side. Just a good half. Yeah,
2: just a good half.
0: Yeah, I'm on the, my mom's. On your mom's? My mom's a Ramita. What's yeah. your
2: other what's your other side? I'm Irish, the other side. German German's primarily. There was a restaurant in Tucson that opened when I was a teenager um called Carlos Murphy's. And I thought, oh my God. For me. Yeah. They, made <laughs> they it opened a restaurant true. for me. The Mexicans and
1: Irish people really get along. Like Mexicans love the Irish.
0: Yeah. Well, the Irish came to fight with them. That's right. The revolution- you know that story. Yeah. Of course. My grandfather was a, rev- a revolutionary. He fought with my Oh, yeah. It's a
1: story,
2: buddy.
0: They came over and they fought with the rebels against the government with Villa in the north. Zapata was in the south. And yeah, they. they and-, and I'll
2: tell you, there's a. It's a I'm going to tell you the joke version of it. So during the potato famine in Ireland, people immigrated here. And there was a guy's job. There was a Vato's job to stand on the wharf in New York and dudes would get off and he would spot them. And he'd be like, that's a strong one. That's a strong one. And sometimes they say these guys didn't even get to land. They were just like, Hey, how'd you like to make a couple of bucks uh here's a uniform. You're a United States soldier now. How's that feel? You're going to be a citizen and it's all awesome. Here we go. Get on that ship. Now we're going to go here. And I guess there was an Irish regiment fighting uh and this is in the Mexican-American War, not the revolution. Okay. So this is like 1848, 47. Yeah. And um and so these Irish guys were getting in boats and going to fight Mexicans. And there's this one Group, it's such a great story. Um, yeah. that you know, now I'm now I'm doing it as a comedy sketch. They got <laughs> it to, went they got to the battlefront, they got to the battlefront, and this all really happened. They got to the battlefront, and um, and uh, one guy, uh, I can't, I, we should look up his name, but he, he, he was like the, the guy who turned it. He basically figured out quickly, he was like, Hey, guys, uh, the people we're fighting are Catholic. And we're Catholic. And the people in charge of us are Protestant. <laughs> that, that makes sense to everybody. We all, we all good with this? And so like at night, they took a vote, and they just bailed. And they went to the other side, and they fought with the Mexicans. Now, they lost, and they lost most of Mexico to the United States. But it was such a great story of these guys who were like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to us.
1: Right. There was some good drinking at the end of every day there, yeah. right? For sure. Yeah
2: are you a Boston fan? Are you an Arizona fan? Which one are you? I'm a Boston fan first growing up in Tucson, my Irish side. Um, and my uncle Dave just was always like Notre Dame, Boston, 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 and, uh, suffered all those years. Cause there's no pro team in Arizona at that time. And, um, and you know, I remember going to the Crescent smoke shop on Congress downtown the only newsstand, and you could get the sporting news there like a week before it would show up at like Walgreens or whatever to get the box scores and and read about Boston. And uh, I'm glad I hung in there, man, because it was a lot of terrible, <laughs> terrible years. But uh, years. they're good now. And then you know, you live here 20 years, you're going to become a Dodger. Got to become a Dodger fan.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: That's right. Um, So we get out of college and. You you finish writing
1: with the group. What happens
2: next? Well, I went to uh, see the Second City Touring Company. They came to U of A and they performed. And it was sort of like dimly aware that you can make a living doing that. And I kind of had heard about them. I'd watched SCTV. So we knew about that. watched SNL. And then when Second City came and performed and I saw that they weren't that much older than I was, the touring company and I can't remember how it was probably through the comedy group, but somehow I finagled a, uh that I had dinner with that cast at a restaurant after the show. And it was Tim Meadows and it was Greg Holloman. And, um, I got Greg it was oh, Greg Holloman. Awesome. So good. And, um, Holly Wartell and Judith Scott. I can't remember everybody else. Um, and they were really nice. And, um, and so like with no idea what I was doing, I, I went to the army surplus store and got two duffel bags and I did a driveway service. You guys ever remember those? It's a crazy service. I don't think they do anymore. But if you wanted to go from a city to a city and you had no money, you could go to this place. And they would fingerprint you and bond you. And then you tell them like, I'm looking to go to Chicago. And they would then eventually call you and say, we have a car that needs to go to the Chicago area.
1: I think I do remember that. What? That's pretty dope.
2: And you would be given like gas money and um and I think you actually had a timer that it worked out how many miles a day you had to drive like you couldn't just go anywhere. Yeah. And so um I drove to Chicago and I stayed on a friend's floor for like a month. I had a rat like, you know, yeah.
1: <laughs> after that meeting with those guys, did they say, come on out or? No, no, no. I mean, no. they said,
2: it, they said, if you get out there, like, let us know. Us but, up, yeah. yeah. And so I went there and I, I started by um, taking classes with this guy, Del Close, who's a legend. And he was like the guy and he wasn't really affiliated with Second City anymore because he was like a junkie and a problem person. And, but he was around since the beginning and he had his own school. So I started taking class with him. And then uh, at some point, someone, and I think it was him or it was Sharna, said, you should take classes at Second City. And then, then you'll be ready to audition there. And I was like, I can't. I don't have any money. I can barely pay you guys. And so um, Dell told George Greenleaf, who was the manager of the bar, that I was a bartender. And I don't know how to where you didn't know how <laughs> And he was like, Go talk to George. Are you a bartender? And I was like, No. And he goes, Are you a bartender? And I go, No. And he goes, Are you a bartender? And I go, I think so. <laughs> and he went, That's right. Perfect. That's right. So That's I right. went I went and talked to George and George was like, Okay. And I remember they were training people on a new register they had. And so I'm sitting there with everybody and they're just like learning the register. And I'm like, Oh, good. And then they're gonna move on to drinks. And they weren't. They were just training the bubble bartenders on the register. And so the first night I was working, these two guys who had been there forever, Clark um, and Paul, um, and they'd seen everything. I mean, they you know knew Belushi. They knew everybody. They they were like, "You're one of Dell's guys, huh?" I go, "What do you mean?" I go, "You don't know what you're doing." I was like, "Nah, I don't know what I'm doing." And they go, "Okay, here's the deal. You're going to get us ice whenever we need it from the back. You're going to do all the side work, and we're not going to tip you out, but you're going to make your hourly." And we'll take care of you. And I was like, all right. So I took classes for free um, because of that. That's and, awesome. uh, and that's how I got to audition there. Second
1: city was historic. It still is, you know, I mean, there's a lot of amazing talent
2: came out of there. Um, yeah. Was, your people with strangers with candy. All yeah. those people.
1: Was David Pasquazi?
2: He in is Second city? my, I would say my improv idol is Dave Pasquese. Yeah. I, I and he was agree. one of my directors there. And, um, I think he's probably the most incredible improviser I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, super talented, but all those guys, you know, David Pesquazy
1: was also in Strangers with Candy. But we
2: used to run, if we had a tour show local, like at some hotel or some convention, we would try to race back to the theater before the improv set, because in the cast with Pesquazy at the time was Joe Liss, another incredible, incredible improviser and, and sketch guy. And Farley was there and Meadows was in that cast and um, Joel Murray. And it was incredible to watch them work. And you just were astounded. It was like watching rock stars. And yeah. I remember a teacher telling us, cause we all thought Joe Liss and Dave Pasquese are going to be, I don't say the most famous, but you're like, they're going to rock it out of here, you know? And my teacher was like, Chris Farley is going to rock it out. <laughs> and, and he was amazing. He was amazing. But we were like, what are you talking about? Like, we'd want to see the moves that Dave and Joe were doing and stuff like that. And my teacher was like, when Chris walks out on stage, people want him to do well and they want to take care of him. And like, you can just feel it in the audience and it's just the difference maker.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, second city. It was amazing. I shout out to David Pasquese to For uh, sure. Greg Holloman.
2: If he's no. listening to this, I don't like you that much. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but those guys are
1: terrific. I mean, Amy Sedaris, um, Paul Donello, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Stephen Colbert, mm-hmm. obviously also. Mitch Rouse. Yeah. Also great yeah, one. Oh, Mitch Rouse. Yeah. Came out of there. And, uh, um, too, right?
0: Correlli up, Yeah. yeah. Corel, All those guys. Did My sure. EP I'm came amazing. out of there. Maureen, um, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. That's, yeah. Where oh, really? That's where I met Aliza. That's oh, where I met Aliza. She really? was in the
2: cast there.
1: I'm sorry. And Eliza Marietta mm-hmm. came out of there. Super talented. I was talking I was talking to her the other day when she was doing um some work on the uh on the voiceover. Mm-hmm. And she said, and then I said I had to say to her, I go, You were in Second City. I can't believe you worked with all these people. Yeah.
2: She'd been there for a while. She was there like a couple years ahead of me. I was in the Torco and she was understudying and in the Northwest cast. And then um in the main stage. She was an understudy.
1: Did you fall in love with her watching her?
2: No, we met on an audition. Oh, and, um, uh, no, because it was really nerve wracking, right? Cause you, you meet and you like each other and then you both got to see each other perform. Cause you're like, if you're not good, then <laughs> this is probably going to end right here. You know, like I can't, I got, can't lie. And, uh, and so that was nerve wracking. Yeah. But um, but our our but but because we both were in the theater, we only had one night off. We had Mondays off, and uh, Mondays was uh, the Torco night. So that was when the touring company did the show on the main stage. And so we had three companies. So I had three weeks off every month on a Monday, and yeah. that was really my only night off. And so we would go out then. Um, and That's- I have a great, quick, our second date story. So two actors, night off. We heard about this really cool place called Java Jive it was on School Street, little restaurant. And so we um we went there for dinner and uh we were in a small little Chicago storefront restaurant, not much bigger than maybe these two rooms. Um, because I'm in this palatial mansion, by the way. <laughs> um and uh uh and we we order drinks and then this PA, like little busted up speaker says, oh, ladies and gentlemen, the comedy stylings of Java jive. And suddenly like these like sketch people throw down like a platform stage by the door and start <laughs> performing sketch comedy. And it's not good. And I'm like, we, this is our night to not see that or do it or be in it. And now it's happening between us and the door. Yeah. We can't leave. And it was horrifying. It was horrifying. And that was your second. day. <laughs> that was our day. second day. Because you're like, I don't want to be here.
1: <laughs> well, you did. Uh, you did well. Eliza's a, a very talented. She's amazing. Very talented. She's beautiful. And uh, you guys seem to have a wonderful relationship. So congratulations so on stepping so it far. up. So far. So <laughs> so far. Well, and um, so you're at Second City, yep. uh, where you know, all the people we mentioned mm-hmm. are amazing, uh, amazingly talented. And it's like this breeding ground for ideas and comedy and, and, uh, and concepts. And so you leave there and, and then like, what's the next step for you?
2: Well, I met a guy who was an intern there and his name was David minor and he was from Skidmore. He was a college student. And he was just like there, he's a comedy nerd. He was at rehearsals. He was in the office, in the box office. He was washing dishes on show night. And he was an awesome guy. And uh, we took some like workshops together in the summer that like some founders of the second city came back to Chicago and did. And towards the end of the summer, he was like, I think I should represent you. And I was like, okay, you know, and he went off to finish school and he was like, I'm going to be an agent and I'm going to rep- represent you. And I'm going to represent Jeff Garland. And cause Jeff was there at the time and we were pals. And, uh, and then he went back and graduated and then moved to New York, came to our wedding, uh, drove out for it. And then um, he got a job at like a production company in New York. And then, um, and I would call him every once in a while and, and I was asking him advice. I was like, should I move to New York? Try to get on SNL as a writer. And, do that path. A lot of people are doing. And he was like, you know, I'm here. And it seems like a lot of these guys that I know do that. And then they go to LA and it seems like you should just go to LA. Like just go, you know, cause they're all going to be out there looking for sitcom work eventually. Why don't you go out there and beat them to it? And I was like, okay. So Elise and I moved to LA and then he moved there not too long after us and got a job at three arts um, as an assistant for Irwin Stoff And then signed me and Jeff while he was still Irwin's assistant. And um, so we had to, I think I signed officially with Irwin. And I remember being in Irwin's office and being like, I'm a staff writer and you have a painting from David uh, LaSalle of Keanu Reeves. Like, what are you doing with me? And he's like, Hey, the business always needs young people or something like that. And so Dave was really my manager and he quickly became his own manager and he's a partner there and he's been my manager ever since. So that's what got me to LA.
0: That's some loyalty right there. Handshake and says, I'm going to rep you one day.
2: It's also connecting with people that, I don't know, that head in the same direction you're going. It is. And I feel so blessed by that, but I also always apologize to Dave because I tell them, and you know, like we just took out a pitch last week and I don't know if it'll sell, but you know, it's a Latino show. It's the one I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. Two female leads. um, Super strong. It's about mentorship and feminism. I've got a co-writer who's one of the writers that works with me on Iglesias, Julia Grob, who's uh, Latina and fucking radical and great. And it's based on our relationship. She's this young writer and she's got all the oomph and progressiveness that this town and these people have now in terms of like, you know, we're just not going to put up with it anymore. And the whole idea of the show is, you know, you break down doors and you do things like greetings with Tucson and wizard. You do that to provide access for an opportunity for people like Julia, but we don't get to pick who comes like, and when they come up and they have all different ideas, we sometimes get rocked by it. So really super fun, super cool pitch. Yeah. And you know, having a hard time finding a home because it's a Latin show. That's not about a restaurant. It's not about crossing a border. Right. There's no trauma in it. The Latin lead is this 25 year old girl who's a sports reporter. And, you know, and I always tell Dave, I go, I have to apologize. You'd have so much more in the bank if you didn't uh, pick a guy who's trying to do Latin television. No, <laughs> uh. you know what? <laughs>
1: um,
2: times are changing. Oh, I and feel I, it. Yeah. I feel it. And opportunities are, but I know when I look at my house and I look at you know, where I'm at, I'm very blessed, but yeah. I just think like, Oh, if I had, you know, but, but I not, I'm never ashamed of what I tried to do. I think somebody had to, and I'm happy for it, but it's different and it's harder. Yeah.
1: And I def I definitely want to get into this. Um, but before we, we move on to that, yeah. I just want to say about David Miner. Um, I dealt with David, uh, because Aliza and yourself yep. and Mario and I did, a, did a movie together. And, um, our first movie together, our first movie together, you know, dealing with David Miner, he was one of my favorite people to ever deal with. Um, and I don't know him that well. And we actually didn't talk that much, <laughs> but there was something about how he made it so simple to make yeah. the deal. Yeah. It was, yeah. he just, I don't know. It's almost like he knew more than I knew about making the he's, deal.
2: He's gifted. Yeah. And, you know, I can't tell you over the 20 some years that times where we've been on the phone ready to close and Dave's like, ah, go back and ask him for half a point and tell them you want one more revision guaranteed. And like lawyers and agents are like, oh, I don't know if we can. And he's like, nah, just do it. And then they'll come back and they'll go, everybody was cool with it. And he just kind of knows. And he's also the person that knows, like, I think we're good. We were in the negotiation Mm -hmm. for the rewrite.
1: Yep. And Lifetime had come back with, okay, so we're going to do a revision. And then I forgot how many revisions there were. But whatever they were, David came back and said, I'd like the revisions guaranteed. And my immediate like Mexican, yeah. I have no money. Yeah, like, yeah. right. I I don't yeah. want to get kicked out of the right. club. Yeah, it feels like saying, "What? No way!" Yeah, right. Hundred percent. But then I I'm older now, so I took a breath, I thought for five minutes, and I said, "Let's just ask," right? So we just asked, and they came back with, "Okay." Yeah.
2: So you know, I, I which is a learning lesson yeah. for us, and it's a learning lesson because I feel like. To some degree, we carry around the imposter syndrome. Right. Oh. Because Rivato says shouldn't be there. Yes. Right. And I think that part of people of our generation have that feeling that you feel. And part of people of Julia's generation that I'm working with, they're like, fuck that. that right. You yeah. know, like it's hilarious and wonderful to me. Like, I feel like I always talk about her and I say, like, you're not You're too old to be my daughter. You know, I like to introduce her as the daughter my wife and I were too angry to have. (laughs) But but, but I would say that, like, I love it when you talk to them and they're like, yeah, goddamn right. We should have an overall deal and we should have this and they should put a billboard. They should have five billboards up. Why aren't they doing that for our show? And you're like, oh, my God, look at that. Because we come from a generation like, don't
0: ask for anything. Be happy with what you got.
1: You know, dealing with David, it it just made it feel like, yeah, why why not ask? And I think sometimes it comes with who you're dealing
2: with. I think, well, you make, were new with them, new with yeah, Lifetime, right? You yeah. just started talking. about Yeah, him.
1: I didn't want to make too many yeah. waves, but at the same time, when David mentioned it, I thought, well, I had to think. Well, it's Peter. Yep. It's David. You know, this might not be a bad thing to ask. And then it came back really positive. And I thought as a young producer, I used to fight about everything and sometimes had no reason to be fighting about stuff. And I think as an older uh, producer, you start to realize, you know what, you're just going to, whatever it is that, that the talent wants, you just ask. And if it becomes a no, then you just ask why. And then if that answer is good enough, then you can pass the information on. And usually that's which happened to us.
2: Yeah. Right. Because then there was one other thing that needed to happen. And I remember because I was in an airport when we were talking and I was like, all right, I'll do it for this amount. Right. And you're like, I go, it'll take two days. I can do that in two days. And this is my daily. And you called and then called back and go, they don't, they said no, yeah, it's not gonna happen. you know, and, and I was like, okay, yeah. cool. And we figured, and we, we figured, figured it, it out.
1: out. You know, and now that you say that about him, I think it's really interesting that he knew what he wanted to do at such a young age and ended up doing it, you know, kind of like that whole vision of your life. And, uh, and he's terrific at it. And he's also a nice guy. It also proves that you can be a nice guy in this business and get ahead.
2: You can. And it takes doing, you know, I think it takes vigilance. Like you're not a nice guy and you get ahead and it's easy. You're a nice guy and you get ahead because you're vigilant because you're surrounded by people that aren't nice.
1: Right. And you know, and look, uh, talent has a lot to do with getting ahead i think trusting yourself i think um you know it's interesting because you signed with david and you guys moved on what happened after You know, you guys got together and you started pitching ideas because the way you tell it, you feel like you didn't do David a favor. But as I read all of the work that you've done, (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I've done a lot. It really looks like you've had the Midas touch in a lot of places, and you know, and obviously, a lot of people uh, knew you were talented and brought you on. Uh, to work on shows and make mm-hmm. those shows better, but shows are some of all their parts. So sure. whether if you're whether you're a showrunner or a producer or a writer, you know everyone coming together make, makes the shows. No, great. I've had
2: a very, I've been blessed. I probably have had five months in a row off in twenty two years. It's amazing, which is amazing, right? Yeah. So that's amazing, and I definitely within the last five years, it's taken that long. It took fifteen years for me to kind of get over the imposter syndrome and feel like, yep, something else will come. Don't worry about it. And, and now I feel better about it and more confident about it. And I also know what I offer people, you know, um, I got asked to do something, don't want to name names, but like on a show or not even, I wasn't even asked to do it. I was asked to beat on it and I met on the show and I remember the feedback. It was to be a number two. And I remember the feedback was like, you know, Peter was super confident in the meeting and he had some stuff to say about the script. Um, and, um, and, and it was good, but we're afraid we can't afford him. And we're also afraid that, um, you know, we're looking for someone to be the number two. That's much more of a person who's just going to sort of take direction and sort of get the trains running on time and make sure the shoots go okay and stuff like that. And Dave was like, well, then that's not who you want because you won't be able to afford him. And, by the way, you want your number two to be strong and have opinions, and that's going to make your show better. And, you know, later I heard that they went through a few people at that position during the shoot, and I wasn't surprised. You know, and I feel like 10 years ago, I would have done anything. I'd be like, oh, I can keep quiet. I can lay low, like whatever. But I feel like, nah, I, I, I'm i good. I'm going to make your show better. Yeah. I'm going to make yeah. your show better.
1: And do, do you feel like as... You get, you know, decades between you and yeah. your twenties. You tend to think there are things that I'm just not going to do because I know where it's going to head. And you get it's a little bit a lot more of wisdom. Time. You get a
2: little bit more wisdom, but I feel like, for me, you know, I feel like I see things clearly, and I'm talking about as a writer and a producer now. Like my assistant says, because um, he'd worked for me for about a year before we started on Iglesias. And during the hiatus, you know, I'm sort of outing Jonas because I was, I'm always asking for feedback. I'm like, how, what, you know, I'm mentoring him, I'm paying him, but I want him, he's a writer. I want him to graduate and move on. And I was like, what did you learn? And he goes, it was really interesting to watch you work because he said, you do it in a way. And I am using his words now. He goes, you like, you would, you would like see something and you would, slide up next to kevin or you'd slide up next to gabe and nobody would even know what you were talking about and then the next thing happens and then the the scene is fixed or there's a a way we're going to organize the shoot day is different and like you just did it you didn't crow about it you didn't like tell everybody hey check me out it was like let's get it do it and i really took that to heart and um i think that's one of the things you get with, with experience. And also as a writer, I can just sort of see things clearly. Like I can look at a thing and go, that's the wrong act break, or that's not going to work. And I think when we were talking a lifetime, that first notes call, the second notes call, and they were asking for stuff. And I would say, well, you know, I remember very specifically, I said, well, if you do this, you know, it's not going to be a father and daughter story anymore. If we take, if you're, if we do all of these things you're saying, it won't be that just so we're clear. I can do that, but are you wanting that? And they were like, no, And I said, well, then we need to keep the act breaks where they are and I can still hit your other mile posts and we can do this and we can do that. And I think that's what you get with experience. Yeah.
1: Working with you on Feliz Navidad, which was, you know, really personal for myself, for Mario, for Tootie. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, You know, it was really cool because I knew that, you know, we were in it together and I knew as we were getting the notes and, you know, as you were responding on behalf of all of us that we were going to work it out and that you were, had already been in the trenches where you had to change a show and change the direction of a character. And yeah. having the, that kind of talent uh, in the writer's uh, position is really comforting because the, the, the um, lifetime's comfortable,
2: you know, we're comfortable. And I mean, then you imagine if we had written, do you remember when they asked for like more salsa on top? Yes. Okay. Can you imagine if we had written the Jesse character the way we knew we wanted it played? Can you imagine if we turned that script in what that reaction would have been? Right. (laughs) you got to understand the race you're in. Yeah. It's a, you know, I have a friend who's a golfer. I'm not a golfer, but they say like, it's a par, it's a par five. Right. You're not trying to hole it right here. Like if we had had him doing cholo whistles And A and fool. Like yeah. we had had that in the script. Do you imagine how much explanation we would have had yeah. to do? Yeah. But then when they say we want more, then we put a little bit more on and then you guys get Frankie and we're good. You yeah. know,
0: there, there was, was parts so of remember Melissa said, okay, let's pick up with, Hey homie. Remember? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, now now you're funny. getting into
2: the whole other podcast, but by the way, I wanted, and we hadn't sold it to lifetime when I wrote it, but my goal and I told you at the beginning, I was like, I want fucking Trejo in one of those oh, yeah. Hallmark oh, yeah. rom-coms. Right. This is a part for Trejo. The fact that Frankie did it and did what he did to it is great. And the fact that to me, the win is like, who would ever think you would get some Cholo baseball coach like that on lifetime?
1: Never. You'd never think it would happen. I, I argue this all the time. The vernacular of someone from East LA or from Tucson or, or from from any place that has Mexican Americans speaking the way we speak in, you know, in our comfort. Yeah. In our, in our comfort (laughs) is funny and understandable to everyone. And by the way, you can be smart and a college uh, graduate and also speak the way Frankie speaks in our movie and the Mm -hmm. way you wrote it. Mm -hmm. So, I think that that's the thing I'm most proud of is that you feel comfortable and you can laugh with Frankie and you can appreciate the position he's in in the movie and then you can also appreciate that just because he speaks um, in the vernacular of someone from, you know, East Los Angeles doesn't necessarily mean that he's not educated. It could no, be funny. Oh, I know. It could be funny. I know. And it could be a choice. 100%. Yeah. And I 100%. like that. I like that about it. So are you guys going
2: to jump Melissa in? What are you going to do? <laughs> Dude, she's already jumped in, I think. She I is. think she's already jumped in. But, um, she's a shy girl.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's going to get a little tear. Oh, here. nice. Um, but, uh, but look, you, you and David did amazing work together and you continue mm-hmm. to work and you haven't stopped working. Um, we're talking about Mr. Iglesias, sure. Superior Donuts, sure. George Lopez. I want to, you know, Wizards of Waverly, of course. Yeah. Um, but why do you think
2: you gravitated to so much Latino work? So I am. And, you know, I think the joke sometimes, well, I, I guess it's two things. When I grew up, I, because of the way I look, I found myself in some situations that I didn't like. And some of those situations were people that I thought were nice and friends that would say things about what they thought of Mexicans or Mexican-Americans. And so as a young, young person, I made a decision that I would always make sure you knew just where I fucking was from quick. Like you're going to know if you meet me, you're going to know quickly what my deal is because I'd rather not hear your inner opinions if you have them. Um, And so I think that forms your personality. And then when you get to write, and you're writing about yourself and your experiences that just kind of comes out. And then I think with greetings from Tucson, it was about me. So that was what it was going to be. It was about me growing up in that house. And, uh, so I think then Hollywood does pigeonhole you quickly. And, uh, I found myself doing, um, two day a week punch up on black shows for the WB, because I think, Hollywood at the time didn't know where else to put me. And uh, you know, that says something about Hollywood at that time, frankly, you know. And I remember um Larry Wilmore was running um um Bernie Mac way back then. And they did some William Paley Festival or they did some upfront something, and I remember being at it randomly. It might have even been the year Green Easton got on the air. And um some reporter asked him why there weren't more black writers on Bernie Mac. And he said, I hope you're asking Phil Rosenthal and Marta Kaufman the same question. And if you're not screw you. And I remember my ears went up because I thought, yeah, right. And the Hollywood does tend to pigeonhole you. It pigeonholes Mario. Like I think some of this stuff that we wrote that he did in this movie is going to blow people away. And you know, I, I would love to figure out, I haven't seen the Say by the Bell yet, but I would love to figure out, you know, just a way to show him off in a way that surprises people. Um, because I think that's another thing we do often is surprise people.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, um, I think, you know, the work that you've done, if you look back, if you think about Mr. Iglesias, if you think about George Lopez, if you think about, um, a lot of these shows, they, universally made people laugh not because the characters were Latino or the subject was Latino, but because it was funny. Yeah. And I think that's where we're headed. Um, I think Hollywood gets really confused with how to categorize Latinos or what's Mexican, what's Puerto Rican, you know, it's about funny first yeah, and then yeah. you kind of it. And, and I think, uh, Feliz Navidad proves that in a lot of ways.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, Julia, who's educating me, Uh, in terms of the current mindset, she says all the time that we are not our trauma. And what she means by that is we don't, all of our stories don't have to be, we grew up poor and we overcame, or we were in a gang and we got out or we couldn't read and someone taught us like that might be something that happened to a lot of us, but we deserve to tell our stories about who we are without having to, um, explain ourselves. And, uh, that feels good when I hear her telling me that I'm like, Oh, you're right. And, uh, and I think that that speaks to what you're saying. You know, we are, we are, we are here. Gabe is a teacher at a high school. That's it. We don't need, no one needs to know what he did or didn't do to become a teacher. Right. You wouldn't ask that of another show why are you a nurse? Well, you're just a nurse. That's cool. Um, uh, but it's, it's only recently that I think we've been responsible to ourselves like that as a community to say that, um, to Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's, um, I think it's important that, um, we have these conversations and that people hear how authenticity and who you are and, uh, and talent sort of comes together, you know, to create, yeah you know, great new, exciting projects, you know, yeah. Can you tell me about Ricky and cricket? Yeah, I can tell you all about it. Yeah. What's going on with Ricky and cricket? What's that
2: all about? Okay. Ricky and cricket is a half hour um, animated adult pilot for Amazon. Uh, co-written by uh, me, Eric Rivera and Isaac Gonzalez and Isaac's a uh, writer on a with me. Basically I'm writing things with all the writers on a glacier. <laughs> That's dope. That's, <laughs> That's cool. Fun. Right. Um, and uh, it's, about a nice guy it's based on you know eric and isaac and i have experiences in show business we've all had them as writers or comics um where you know we, we told in the pitch we said like mine was going into a pitch meeting where the executives tell you really happened we're an executive before the pitch started told me um how much they love tamales and uh <laughs> really did. And, uh, and, Was and it so this
0: time, nope. <laughs> just the-
2: I mean, maybe it might've been close to it, but, but I, 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 the way I talk about it on the pitch is I go, and then you're in the moment you're like, Hey, um, Bill Lawrence, um, just left. Like I saw him in the lobby. Did you tell Bill Lawrence how much you love tamales? Cause if you didn't, yeah. you're a racist fuck. Exactly. Right. But in the pitch, we tell him, of course we don't say that because we want the big cage of money behind the person who's talking to us. And so we smile and we go, my God, I love tamales too. And then you go, oh my gosh, the, um, the, uh, the cinnamon apple raisin one you got at the Brentwood country Mart sounds super authentico. um, that's awesome. Let's get to the pitch. And then, you know, Isaac tells a story about trying to get a job on a comedy central pilot where they were these two white, guys writing it, talking about the Mexican neighborhood and how they wanted it to be really musical and colorful and how he's sitting there like, what are you talking about? But then instead he starts pitching like, yeah, what if there's a band on the corner and they're always doing like oompa oompa stuff. And, and he goes, <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is happening to me? Right. So we have all these stories and we tell them what if, what if all those inner voices that are wanting us to challenge people came out of our head. And so we tell the story of Ricky, who's this nice guy, Latino named Ricky played by Eric Rivera, who uh, has a um, uh, a job on a Disney Channel show. He plays the owner of a dog, um, and the show's called Reggaeton Reggie, and it's about a dog that raps in reggaeton. And uh, so he's not even the title character. And the show's over, and he can't get arrested uh, in Hollywood because he's got this, he's, he's a prisoner of this image. It's hilarious. And so uh, he... Has one thing happen after another. You can't get this audition. He's got, he's fallen back on the job he had before he got acting going, which is a massage parlor in um, Van Nuys run by this dick named Todd. Um, and it's not an erotic massage parlor. It's just, you know, massage. And then he's got a girlfriend who's an influencer who's more famous than him. Like he's just a fucking mess. And in the middle of all this cricket shows up and cricket is this, uh, angel from the east side of heaven who's come down to make him an authentic Mexican, whether he wants to be or not. That's hilarious. And he challenges him and he's got wrong ideas about manhood. And he's just an old school veterano who's like the worst Jiminy cricket you could ever have on your shoulder. And that's our show. And so we're doing it. And like, we've got all kinds of cool stuff in it that we can't believe Amazon's letting us do like really going after people and yeah, tip your hat to Amazon. Yeah, wow, I mean, it's pre- pretty awesome. And so they've greenlit a second script and they're paying an artist to do character drawings. And then hopefully we'll get a green light after that. That's terrific. Awesome. Well,
1: congrats on that. Yeah. And by the way, congratulations on everything, uh, everything on your career on everything you've done. Thank you for everything you've done. No, no, well, thank you. Hopefully there's a lot more to do, I right? Want Hopefully to. there's a lot more to do. We've been talking about a couple of things. I yeah. want to make that
2: happen. And I've been indoors with you for about an hour, so this could be the last thing I ever do.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm no. good. I just got tested yesterday, so I'm cool. I, I think I
1: think you're going to be okay, but right. uh but thanks thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing and um you guys should go back check out all the Peter Mariana yeah. stuff, but definitely check out Mystery Glace's because Mystery Glace's Oh yeah. Is said, we just
2: have a special episode that just came out last week, too. And you got to go to Game On. Yeah. I saw Netflix. that. Yeah, I it's had like to a go, weird search. Yeah. yeah, I
1: had to go see uh, Ashley Garcia on the same you, sort of thing. If you look over, uh, look up Game On or Crossover, it'll come up. It'll okay. come
2: up. It'll come yeah. up. And uh, yeah, and also um, I got a thing. I'll send you a link. Somebody just yesterday put a link up of like beloved Latino shows that were canceled too soon. And Greetings to Tucson, which is ancient. Was on it and they yeah. wrote a nice little piece about it.: Oh, yesterday. that's terrific. Yeah. Well,
1: dude, amazing career. I, I would love to try to figure out how to get Greg Holloman and David Pasquese in something. Oh
0: my God, I would love that too. <laughs> that would be love really cool. Too. They're
1: terrific dudes. They're I wish, really I wish great I dudes. had worked with them more, uh, but you know, there's still time.
0: So I have a good extreme music story. Tell the me. The Foos yesterday who we met, one of the dudes. I go on who's I: who's gone wild?: Who's gone wild? Uh, no lames. Um, so I go on, I, he, we exchange info, uh, you know, Instagram, he's from my same area. We know the same people, uh, B side players, the, the, the Carlos Paez, the owner of the creator B side players. We're using for made in Mexico and that's his homie. And so when we were going back and forth, he goes, wait, you're, you're, you're Rod Rinks. You're doing the made in Mexico with Lilo Broncado. And I said, yeah, he goes, Carlos was telling me about that. I heard it's a dope. It's going to be dope. I go, yeah, we're using like five of his tracks. So hide back in to made in Mexico. Um, and I want to try to get B side on extreme music. I sent a thing to Carlos saying yeah. like, that's a good place. Cause they got great music.
1: So extreme music where you got your music for your movie, yeah. it turns out you met the group that you picked their music and put into your movie. Yes. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty amazing. But yeah. I do want to shout out to Extrememusic.com for being, for being remarkable. It's a place where you can find, um, it's like a library. It's yeah. a library of music. And uh, we're using a lot of it, and and Philly's um, yeah. Navy dad. Uh, he's Shut using it. it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna send you a link. But uh, shout out to Extreme Music for always providing the industry with the best uh, tracks. Yeah, thank you, Russ. Thank you, Russ. Um, <laughs> they, um, but, Peter, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you guys for listening. See you next time on Let's Get Into Entertainment, the Business of Entertainment, Tootie. That's right, Roberts.
0: That's, that's, <laughs> why Tito? That's jacked up. I don't want to be a know, Tito. No, but I like, Damn. It. I like it. It was 2000.
1: 2000 Tito.